17 year olds. They're no, get them, get them out of here. Um, the, the Red Army would also torture. <laughs> You've turned into your parents. Just the worst ever, you know. I don't, I don't trust all these 17 year olds outside. I tell these you, sons of these if I see things outside, they need run the streets. Got absolutely. They're out there TikToking. You, you ever go by a house where they're having a party and there's like some like obvious like high, like late high school kids like hanging out in the front lawn and you're just kind of like some Watersons. I bet they think they run this fucking block. <laughs> Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Good evening. <laughs> and Brian. Hey! So, Cigar City has this beer I saw at uh, Publix. It's called Florida Man. Couldn't, mm -hmm. I, yeah. I couldn't not buy it. The problem isn't it, is... Isn't it only like 4.5? Uh, on the contrary, my good man. Um, it's a double IPA. It's sitting just under 9. Oh, Wow. Oh, so, God. when you've had a couple of these, <clears throat> you know. One of those will do, man. It's fantastic, too. I have a lot of beer. I'm just drinking tea. I told you, that's a... That's, I, I'm personally slighted by that. That was the goal. Loser talk. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> just get some heat with Ryan. I also just want to let it be known that the Red Sox are... Oof, currently up to bat now. God, that was a dirty strikeout. So I am listening. I promise I'm paying attention, but I have to have the, the fucking goddamn ALCS on on my second monitor. We're gonna do that that Joe Buck uh, the Joe Buck voice thing that everybody started doing on Twitter. <laughs> you know. So anyway, no. that's Hitler, no. and there's a shot to left, and the Angels lose <laughs> the World Series. <laughs> Five runs out of left field. <laughs> <laughs> And then he hits into the 9-4-6 triple play, and uh, that's the end of the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> what are we and talking that's it, folks. What are we talking about? <laughs> Today, speaking of Hitler, we're going to be talking about the werewolves. What? Oh, okay. Are we talking about, like, the cryptid, or are we talking about, like, the R.L. Stein creatures, or... Well, uh... So <laughs> the werewolf particular R.L. Stein variant. Uh, yes, uh, my oh, fuck. What was it called? Uh, my werewolf at summer camp. Werewolf at sleepover camp. Oh, I God. have no idea. I don't know. It was. It's been like fucking twenty years since I read these goddamn things. Uh, but yeah, no, there's, there was a couple good ones. Oh, yeah. Werewolves London. Well, usually the uh, the the sort of like historical supernatural creature of the werewolf was sort of a way to explain like serial killers mm -hmm. and, um, and hungarians but <laughs> yes you know, those accursed people my people so the werewolves was a program that was started in uh the late summer early autumn of 1944 um heinrich himmler initiated this program called operation werewolf um and he ordered um, an SS Obergruppenführer um, named Hans Adolf Prutzmann to organize an elite group of uh, volunteer forces to secretly go behind um, enemy lines. You pronounced that a little too well. Like, my grandfather would get upset <laughs> yeah. at you. No, I'm getting know. upset. I'm a fucking Rammstein fan. Like, I'm like, hey, who's your friend over here saying the words like that? <laughs> 
Well, I, I have been, you know, brushing back up on my German. It's part of my hey, my rotation hey, on Duolingo. Listen, Why don't you that's tell a w, him to get back in his Volkswagen and go back to Munich? Hey, as long as it's on a BMW. Mm-hmm. Hey, buddy. Speaking of Ws, that's a W, not a V, okay? I need you to pronounce it in the God's English, okay? <laughs> Volkswagen. Werewolf. <laughs> Wolfs. So- um, I wasn't 100% wrong when I said speaking of Hitler then, right? Yeah. Um, well, he wasn't really as involved in it. It was mostly uh, Himmler's program. I let Himmler um, do the wolf so, thing. He likes it. So so initially, because like, Hitler is really big on wolves, like he's definitely like a wolf shirt guy, um, which, which we'll talk about in a bit when we talk about the origins of the name. Why am I not um, surprised at all? But go ahead. So the units were originally intended to be um, uniformed sort of paramilitary uh, troops that would engage in sort of like clandestine operations uh, behind enemy lines in the in the way that like what we generally think of commandos as. It's like Navy um, SEAL type stuff. Special so forces. they're well, they're less like partisans, like like Soviet partisans, like people in civilian clothes, like sort of fighting like guerrilla style against an enemy, and more like say like the SAS. Um, or like the modern Green Berets or something like that. Okay. Um, so they were never intended to like act outside of um, the control of the the German military high command, um, and they were never meant to fight in civilian clothes. That they were always supposed to be um, in their uniforms, um, so that they would be treated as soldiers if they were captured. In dressed in Hugo Boss from head to toe. Drip yeah. never takes a backseat. <laughs> Dre- dressed in the most like terribly created uniforms that that are like a pain in the ass to put on and take off. Listen, the, I, I you it's guys. It's not know, about utility. Them, it's about how it looks. God, listen, not for nothing, dude. Their uniforms, if nothing else, were sharp. Fuck yeah, every other part of their sharp. entire history, but God, their uniforms were sharp. They were also like. They were made in such a way that if you were making, like, a luxury item, it would be fine. But if you're, like, mass-producing, like, uniforms for soldiers, they're they're very poorly made in that regard. Oh, really? It's just, like, over overcomplicated, um, requires a lot of, like, steps um, and materials that you wouldn't, like, that, for instance, like, the Americans and the Soviets didn't do. Yeah, they got, the Americans and Soviets got, like, fucking t-shirts. All right, guys, good luck. <laughs> yeah. The infantry men so, were just in knitted burlap. <laughs> just old soba noodles. No, it was like uh Welcome they, to the front, boys. They just you just need their to own go over with them. <laughs> now boys, just need to go to the pile over there and pick out some ones that fit you. you Bring a sweatshirt pants? with you, it gets cold. <laughs> when you're done peeling those Don't. potatoes, sack up. Well it's not like they were Confederate soldiers, you know, because the Confederacy was like that, but Well, <laughs> also fuck them who cares about them um so uh Prutzman, who is like put in charge of this by um Himmler um he is he's made general inspector of special defense um and he's assigned to setting up the forces headquarters in Berlin and organizing and sort of instructing the forces on what they should do um Prutzman himself he had studied you know like the partisans um from the Soviet Union while he was stationed in um, Ukraine fighting counterinsurgency missions against them. Um, 
and it was his sort of idea to sort of teach the tactics that these that these forces used to the troops that were in Operation uh, Werewolf. So the partisans were like the Soviet commandos. Well, the the partisans are like the guerrilla fighters. Like they dress in civilian clothes. They're like ambushing the Germans, and then they just sort of disappear into the countryside and into the local population. Oh, the Viet Cong. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, like like essentially like the Viet Cong. Okay. Like they they go out, they attack, um, they they sort of disappear. Um, sometimes they have uniforms, sometimes they don't. Um, but a lot of them were originally started by members of the NKVD, which was the Soviet like secret police uh, intelligence service, That's and that they were specialists. Yeah, they're the predecessors to the KGB, okay. um, and and what would happen was that that their mission was that like if the Germans overtake this position, you're supposed to like just sort of stay behind and then organize a resistance behind enemy lines. Okay. So um, Heinrich Himmler creates this right with um, with yes. I'm sure with Hitler's blessing. You know what I'm saying? You know, Santa Mara Fuguro, get the fuck out of here. Go do your thing. Did they roll for stats? What was the purpose, though? Like, what was the whole why? Who had initiative? Well, what was well, the because in, at? They were all. Uh, you, you'll come to find out that they were all very low. That that they did sort of like a roll keep, and then that they just automatically assigned them. They didn't, you know, get to decide what the which, which number went with which stat. I always get the feeling that like Himmler was a, like one of the most evil men, but. You know, when you read the the stories about who mythologized the most, it's always him, and it's almost like he's role playing the entire time. You know. Well, you have to remember that like Himmler's profession before he he got mixed up with the Nazis was that he was a chicken farmer. Yeah, that's what happens, folks. Um, but the the officers under Prutzman who were interrogated after the war, um. They they said of of Prutzman that he was um, inefficient, weak, and uninspired, um, and that uh, Prutzman was in addition also uh, vain, idle, and boastful. Um, uh, uh, Walter Schellenberg, who was uh, Heinrich Himmler's um, head of foreign intelligence, um, so one of like the highest ranking men in the SD, which was like the um, the intelligence service within the Nazi party within the SS. Mm-hmm. Um, he said of Prutzman um, that, and, and of the whole operation, he told Himmler that it was uh, criminal and stupid. Is it criminal though? Well, because um, the Germans are signatories of the Geneva Convention. Um, with the Soviet Union, they don't have to follow the Geneva Convention because the Soviets were not signatories of it. Yeah. Um, same with the Japanese, which is why like things in the Pacific are so crazy. Right. But um, because the Germans are signatories, they're pretty beholden to it. So you can't really have things like like partisans. You can't really have the, these guerrilla fighters under the Geneva Convention because when you take off a military uniform and, and take part in those actions, you're not protected by the Geneva Convention. Because you're not wearing a military uniform. Yeah, you're, you're sort of violating the, the rules and laws of war. Okay. So these guys, so, I, just, and I just want to make this perfectly clear. Heinrich Himmler creates a unit of men who are supposed to operate behind enemy lines dressed in, in, in their Nazi uniforms. 
I just want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm totally understanding. Yes. It sounds like, like, like telling an undercover cop to dress like a fucking clown and go try to get a drug deal going. Like, <laughs> it does not sound like a good fucking plan. Grant, Nazis, they're idiots. But like, duh. What? I don't want to wear the I don't want to wear the horn nose. You're gonna wear the beep beep nose, or you're not going on the mission, McGarnacle. I need you to go to England in full Nazi dress just, and go spy. Like what? Just Dennis Franz demanding him to wear the nose. I feel like yeah. he's gonna get caught immediately. Put the goddamn nose on. I'm Dennis Franz. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm gonna go get some food with a lot of onions, like way too many onions. <laughs> I could just see Dennis Franz eating like food items, and they look like they're perfectly appetizing until you see the just ridiculous amount of onions he put on them for some reason. Oh, just, oh. just like a street hot dog from New York, covered in like onions. Yeah, it's just like an onion coffin. You guys, like, just tell, the, me uh, tell me when. Tell me when. Yeah, he's like, he's like, I didn't say when. <laughs> I'll tell you when. When, sir, it's all my onions. When? I don't have any onions left. <laughs> I tell you, um, why don't you just take my hot dog and stick it inside the tray of onions? Just shove it down in there with your hands and hand me the tray. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ! Here's a tenor for it. Uh, um, sir, what do you so want to drink? Soon- just give me the water from the onion tray. <laughs> <laughs> just give me the hot dog water. <laughs> just pour it on it. Uh, ah, refreshing. Uh, soon after the invasion of Normandy, that rumors started to pop up that the Nazis had were creating like a secret guerrilla orga- um, organization. Um, Time magazine ran an article, um, sort of speculating that the Germans would try to prolong the war indefinitely by like going underground after they were defeated. Yeah, that was a big fear. In on on January twenty seventh, nineteen forty five, um, an issue of Collier's Weekly is published featuring an article. Um, by a an officer, Major Edwin uh, Lesner, which stated that um, elite elements of the uh, SS and Hitler Youth were being trained to attack Allied forces, um, and it opened with a quote from uh, Joseph Goebbels: uh, "The enemy invading Joey German Goose. territory will be will be taken in the rear by the fanatical population, <laughs> which will ceaselessly worry him." <laughs> Tie down strong forces and allow him no rest or exploitation down, of any possible success. Boy, Joseph Goebbels is that undercover. He wants that undercover. <laughs> Hello. Joey Gagoots. <laughs> Joey Gumbagoot. Big, big, big fan of the movie Cruising. <laughs> big fan of going to the airports in Munich in 1944 and just tap, tap, tapping his toes underneath the stall. Um, on... <laughs> On March 23rd, 1945, um, Goebbels gives a speech called the Werewolf Speech, um, where he urged one of those guys who goes to like a gas station and tries on every pair of sunglasses before he settles (laughs) on one. He looks like like he looks like the Crypt Keeper with skin. It's weird. He goes he goes back and forth like he he puts one on and then puts the other one on and he does that like ten times. Um, the cashier passes out watching. <laughs> oh my he, god, this um, fucking guy. <laughs> and um, so Goebbels urges every German to fight to the death. Um, and so, but, but what eventually happens, though, um, is because Goebbels is making these speeches, it causes a lot of confusion because, as we'll come to find out, um, there isn't really much of an organized werewolf uh, movement. Um, and 
the allies are expecting there to be um, a werewolf movement, and they can't really tell if, like, if certain members of the SS or Hitler Youth or whatever, like, if they do something, if it's, like, an element of, like, a werewolf organized resistance group, or if it's just, you know, some assholes doing something. Right. Okay. Um, so, we're not really sure how the name was chosen, but we believe that it was related to the title um, of a novel by a, um, a novelist named uh, Herman Lons. Um, he wrote uh, Der Werwolf, which was uh, Ver uh, in this is like the, the Wehrmacht, because um, Wehrmacht means uh, defense force. In this case, uh, Werwolf means um, like a defense uh, wolf, or a defensive wolf. <laughs> God, these guys just get dumber every time I learn new shit. And this, this novel was published in 1910, and it's kind of like the pre World War One, um, like, like Red Dawn. Um, so the novel itself is set in Lower Saxony in the the Seal region um, during the Thirty Years' War, um, which took place from 1618 to 1648. Um, and in this, it, it sort of focuses on this uh, peasant named. Uh, uh, harm Wolf. Um, so after uh, after Wolf's family is killed by like marauding soldiers, um, uh, Wolf organizes his neighbors into a militia, who sort of fight like a guerrilla resistance against these soldiers, um, and execute any that they capture. And they refer to themselves as the uh, Ver Wolfa. Uh, so these guys are just fucking like furries. They're just RP and furries, right? Well, no, it's like, um... It's like, you know... Werewolves hollering at the moon and shit. Well, it's like... It's like Red Dawn. You know, that they're the defense wolves. Like, in Red Dawn, they're the wolverines. wolverines, yeah. Yeah, still. Um, (laughs) So, uh, Lons would describe the title as a dual reference to the fact that they're... That the peasants are, um... Are fighting in defense. Um... Because, for instance, um, uh, Sikvarin, which means, like, to defend, um, and also the protagonist's surname, which is uh, Wolf. Um, and then also, too, um, in, in sort of, like, the fashion of a wolf, which is generally considered to be, like, a merciless killer, um, he and his men um, come to enjoy killing. Um, Lance dies in 1914. Um, so he doesn't... He He's not really, like... We, we don't really know if he would have been, like, a Nazi or whatever, like, because he dies well before then. Um, but his work becomes very popular with members of, like, the German far right, and the Nazis also celebrated it. So probably he would have ended up being a Nazi. Um, and the, the local newspaper in uh, the SEAL region of Lower Saxony would serialize um, Der Werwolf um, in January of 1945. Um, it should be noted as well that uh, Hitler's uh, command station, um, which was uh, set up in 1942 um, at uh, Venezia, uh, Ukraine, was called uh, Verwolf. Hmm. Um, and this this was like the farthest east command post that uh, Hitler had, um, and it was often called uh, uh, Wolf. And, and Hitler would also use the pseudonym uh, Wolf for himself because the name Adolf is also associated with a wolf. Um, because um, in German, um, Adolf, it means like noble noble wolf. 
I'm getting real Sigma male energy from this dude. Like, <laughs> he would have worn Affliction jeans, Affliction t-shirts and bedazzled jeans, and he would have walked around like the fucking alehouse after drinking two Dollar Miller Lights with his kind of, his sleeves rolled up just a little bit to show off his little puny biceps to act hard. This is who I'm picturing. Mr. I'm a werewolf. You know, Ava Braun just wants to go home, but Hitler, you know, he's he's a little buzz. You know, he wants to pick a <laughs> he, fight he with somebody. He wants to start a fight. <laughs> yeah, he's just insulting her the whole time and just trying to pick a fight with some guy, you know. He's he's running high because they're still on the prelims for the UFC fight for that Saturday. <laughs> Maybe um, it hasn't even started. <laughs> yeah, and um, the, uh, the, the, the Eastern um, I'm a Headquarters wolf. I'm was... A wolf. <laughs> it was often called the, uh, uh, the Wolfschanz, um, which is, um, which in English would be like the Wolf's Lair, um, literally the wolf sconce. Okay. Um, propaganda for the werewolves would begin on uh, Radio Werewolf, uh, which was broadcast from a radio station in, in Neuen, which is outside of uh, Berlin, um, beginning on April 1st, 1945. Um, the broadcast would begin with the sound of a wolf howling um, and a song that featured the lyrics, uh, My werewolf teeth... Uh, bite the enemy, and then he's done, and then he's gone. Who, who, who? You, and you're going to tell me they're not furries? <laughs> really, really? My werewolf. T- okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, the initial broadcast um, would state that the Nazi Party was ordering um, every German to "quote unquote" stand his ground and do or die against the Allied armies who are preparing to enslave Germans. That sounds very reminiscent of the Pacific, too, but I don't think Germany has as many fanatical civilians as Japan did. Yeah, most most people, by the time that the Allies get to Germany, like, they're they're pretty over it. They've um, had enough. Yeah. Listen, it um, was fun when we first started, but now it's just getting with the bullshit. I mean, how long did we bomb? By, like, we bombed for a long time. Yeah, they were getting bombed for most of the war, and then also, too, because... There's a disconnect between like Japan and like the Asian mainland because they're not really getting the news back. So so they're just getting the news that the government gives them. But in Germany, people are getting the news from like through the railroads and stuff about what's going on in the Eastern Front. So they have a good idea that the war is starting to go badly in the mid 40s. Uh, so like by Grand Slam Red Sox, it's now six to nothing. Go ahead. Jesus Christ. But, uh,. And it's but, the second. Uh, <laughs> it's the bottom of the second. It's six to nothing. Go ahead. So after after forty three, like they know things are going bad, and they expect like things are going to go badly for them, because they know that the German army has done like terrible things to the Soviets, and that the Soviets are going to enact like a revenge on them. Right. Um, and they also go on to say, every Bolshevik, every Englishman, every American on our soil must be a target for our movement. Any German, whatever his profession or class, who puts himself at the service of the enemy and collaborates with him will feel the effect of our avenging hand. A single motto remains for us, conquer or die. Goddamn. Um, and a, an historian named Hugh Trevor Roper, um, he wrote, like, not too long after the war, that he believes that uh, Radio Werewolf had no uh, connection to the actual, like, werewolf military units. And that it was instead uh, a sort of a project that was set up by uh, by Goebbels, um, in, in the possible hope that like Goebbels could like take over the werewolf unit, um, because Goebbels Goebbels also felt that the werewolves were not radical enough. 
Like, he wanted them to, to, like, take off the uniforms and be, like, Soviet partisans. Right. He wants to be, like, undercover guerrilla warfare. Lights out. And, because cause Trevor, Trevor Roper also um, sort of states, you know, that they were, um, that the radio werewolf propaganda had sort of an ideological nihilism to it, um, whereas the actual unit was, was sort of set up like an actual, like, military unit. Where, where they sort of had, like, a set mission. It wasn't, like, like we're, we're going to, like, like sort of, like, Japanese-style, we're going to fight to the death and we're going to take down as many as we can. Right. It was more like, we're going to run commando missions, we're going to go back to base, and at the end of the day, you know, we're all going to get out of here. Right. Um, so, a lot of this um, that he says, it, it creates this misconception between what the unit actually was and what the Allies perceive it to be. Because Goebbels is sort of playing this propaganda saying that these are, like, going to be these, like, Japanese-style, like, resistance movement. Whereas in reality, that's not what it is. Everybody's just kind of, like, grabbing their collars, looking left to right, like, uh, you sure? I don't think so, bro. Mm. Um, and, and British uh, and American newspapers would also um, wildly report um, the, the Radio Werewolf broadcasts, uh, which also uh, fueled rumors among the Allied occupation. Um, Armed Forces Radio would go on to claim every American, every friendly German civilian is dis- is a disguised soldier of hate, armed with the inner conviction that the Germans are still superior. They believe that one day it will be their destiny to destroy you. Their hatred and their anger are deeply buried in their blood. A smile is their weapon by which to disarm you. In heart, body, and spirit, every German is Hitler. Oh. Jesus. God. Just to give you an idea of how far we've come politically. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, members of the Belgian resistance would also state um, that the name of the werewolf movement held enough clout with the general population in northern Austria that um, that members of the group were able to reroute um, quote-unquote refugees who were uh, Nazi collaborators from, from Belgium and France um, away from um, Innsbruck back to uh, Switzerland and then to Brussels to to escape. Down to Argentina, right? Argentina, right? That's where they went. Eventually, other other places in South America and Spain. Um, so the Gauleiters, because I've, I've explained before in previous ones that in within the Nazi party, they have districts and they're called Gaus. Um, and, a, and a Gauleiter is a, um, a, is a leader of a Gau. You said a Gal lighter? Yeah, a Gal Gadot lighter. Yeah. It's a lighter shaped like Gal Gadot. <laughs> okay. The flames come out of like her fucking eyes. <laughs> you just don't tell anybody. <laughs> um and that these um that these sort of like district leaders, these these Gal lighters, would uh suggest suitable recruits for the program who would be trained in secret locations in the Rhineland and Berlin. What is the Rhineland? I've heard this before. What does that actually mean? The, the, the Rhineland is sort of the area um, from the Rhine River and um, in France. So basically the area around the Rhine River? Yeah, like the, the area of the Rhine River that's between it and France. Oh, okay, okay. Um, the, the chief uh, training center um, in the West um, was at... Uh, Hochroth uh, Castle uh, near Erkelons, um, which by 1945 was training around um, 
200 recruits, uh, most of them drawn from the Hitler Youth. Um, uh, originally, the werewolves had about 5,000 members recruited from the SS and the Hitler Youth. Um, all of these men were trained, and, and boys uh, were trained in guerrilla tactics. Um, and they would also establish front companies to ensure um, that fighting would continue in the areas of Germany that were occupied. Um, but all, <laughs> but all of these front companies were discovered and shut down within like eight months of occupation. Okay. Um, and uh, there, there began to be rumors that there would be this um, in impregnable um, Alpine fortress um, from which, like all the all the directions to the werewolves would go, you know, sort of like Osama bin Laden's like Cobra Cobra style fortress, you know, with like the Your fucking honeycomb hideout. Yeah, um, sort of like that for them. The the big like thing in Afghanistan, that thing. Real, okay, realistically, yeah, yeah the one house because the dude was on dialysis. What was, he that was called? Like but it was years old. It was what was the one that was in like I, I want to say it was like in Time Magazine or something like that. But they had like that big picture that always gets posted online which is like the cutaway yeah it was like this mountain that's like haul it out like it's um what was that called like the cheyenne mountain complex what was that called there was i don't think it had a name it. no there was a name for it that thing that they bombed in afghanistan that was like the big underground complex it's called the bin laden basement <laughs> Bin Laden basement sounds like a place in fucking Burlington, Vermont that sells coats. It was it was the it was the Kabul Big Lots. It, Bin Laden's basement sounds like a perfect club to go to. Big Laden's Cove. Um. So, even though there were claims that there was this sort of like uh, fortress in the Alps, um, th- this was just sort of like a like a fabrication. It didn't exist. It was just sort of um, something that had been cooked up. Um, werewolf agents were also supposed to have um, an assortment of weapons at wasn't their disposal. It, wait, wasn't it called Tora Bora? Uh, well, Tora is a city. Okay. No, that's the movie, Tora, Tora, Tora. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> and, and that they were sort of, ha- they were supposed to have like these like James Bond um, level weapons like fireproof coats um, and silenced pistols, but in reality, um, all of this was like fake, and they never actually had like the necessary equipment, organization, um, or coordination to actually put up an active resistance. So, were they basically just a propaganda, like propagandized secret mil- military wing that was used That's what to it just kind of like. instill fear? Or? They got well, pretty much. Shit. That's what it sounds like. Pretty much, what happened was they planned it out, but the supply situation was so bad in 1945 um, that a lot of the uh, the officers of existing units in the in the Wehrmacht or the SS were unwilling to like hand over the equipment they had, and, and the ara- and the remaining equipment were going to the uh, the Volkstrom, which is like the civilian like militia that the Germans created. Because at the end of the war, the Germans just start arming, like, all the leftover people in Germany with whatever weapons they have, and sort of sending them at the Allies. This includes, like, literal children and, like, grandmas and grandpas. I mean, that's hysterical, but terrifying. But but a lot of those people, like, there's a lot of stories of, like, an old man with, like, a Panzerfaust, like, standing in front of a tank, and they, like, talk him down, and he just, like, 
you know, gives up. Yeah, because he doesn't want to be there. But you can see a lot of pictures of just, like, random guys in, like, 1940s clothes, like, with, with like, machine guns and stuff. Well, it's And start, also, like... It starts to get to a point where people are, like, if people just start showing up at your front door, even if you're not, like, a supporter and you kind of were forced to be, but if you're not a supporter of what's going on in the war, you kind of... You kind of have to take arms, right? Like, at least to defend yourself. Yeah, but but a lot of them sort of... Yeah, I think they're more getting armed to be like, hey, fight those guys that are coming in. I understand, I understand, but, like, I would be surprised if there were... I would be surprised if there weren't, like, very few people who didn't arm up at least a little bit. Like, Well, most, most of the people sort of realize... You have to remember there's, like, a different mindset with Europeans. But... But most of the people, like, just sort of come to realize, you know, that the, um, that the allies, like, at least the Western allies are not as bad as what the propaganda claimed them to be. So they just sort of, like, take their chances when they realize, you know, that, like, the American gangsters and, yeah. They didn't think that a peaceful, they were propagandized heavily into thinking that they were about to be slaughtered by the Russians or the, uh or whoever the fuck else came in at any moment, that there was going to be no quarter. And the funny yeah, thing is, but they, not even unique but, to, like, just Germany in World War II. No. Like, that happens but, but the thing is, is that country. they don't... They don't they don't believe that, though. Like, they ignore the propaganda. Like, they... Good. They they just sort of, like... They, they realize, you know, that, like, the Nazis have brought them to ruin, and just, like, well, you know, this is the situation now. Good. Yeah. Like, if you've seen, like, Band of Brothers... Oh, well, no, a like, lot of people. It's a lot until- of people definitely got rounded up because they're just straight up civilians. So, right. yeah, but they're they're just sort of like, all right, this is this is what it is now. Like, we're gonna make the best of this, and at least it's not the Soviets who are possibly gonna, you know, be on the uh, more killing and more like raping side of things. Right. Um. So uh, initially, uh, attempts have been made to bury um, explosives and and ammunition, and other weapons. Um, around the the country, uh, mainly in the region of the uh, the Polish uh, border, um, to prepare for when the the Soviets push past. Um, but um, there there weren't a lot of like quantities of material um, to be used in this. Um, so and by the time that the uh, that the or- that the movement was actually used, it was so disorganized that um, that the actual leaders didn't know where the materials were. <laughs> um, so it's literally should have shouldn't have been called the werewolves. It should have been called the squirrels, which is an animal no. that buries nuts <laughs> and forgets where it buried them constantly. Um, a large portion of those of those um, those sort of stockpiles that they had created were found by the Russians, um, and little of the materials were actually used by the werewolves. No, the werewolves is an appropriate name, but it's just spelled wrong. It needs to be W H E R E wolves. Like, where is our shit? <laughs> the werewolves. I get it. Why are you guys called the werewolves? Isn't that spelled wrong? No, it's well, we lost our, our guns. We can't find our boots. Um. So a lot of the attacks that the werewolves would actually do were, were mostly like sniping attacks, arson, sabotage, and assassination. Um. In, in their training, they oh, would be trained like how to crimes. make. Oh, that sounds like war crimes for somebody who's be, so so in particular doesn't want to be considered criminal. Those all sound like fucking war crimes. Just saying. Um, they would uh, be trained how to make homemade explosives, 
um, to manufacture detonators from um, everyday items like pencils and, and a can of soup. I'm MacGyver. Um, <laughs> and with a fucking member, they had cans of soup. And each member was trained how to uh, jump into a guard tower and strangle a sentry um, like, in one swift like movement. A, like a running jump or just a, like a standing leap? I mean, that's a pretty good jump. Yo, yo they qualify well, I think, for the I NBA think climb up. I think climb up the. I think climb up the ladder and then you know just sort of like jump and then garrot them. I thought you were, were going to say <laughs> that they were. Uh, you know, these guys were not supernatural in any way, but that's a big jump. It's like 10, 10 15 feet in the air. I mean. Um, so in in early 1945, um, Otto Scorzani is involved in the retraining of the recruits for the werewolves. Um, but he, he soon realizes that, that the number really of cells that they... Yeah, he's like the German like super commando. He was the one who busted... Um, Mussolini out of his um, imprisonment. Oh, okay. Like, um, wait, like busted him out like some Great Escape type shit for real? Yeah, they 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 did a glider because he was kept in this like mountain hotel. He was being held prisoner by the Italian government, uh-huh. and Otto Scorzani and his commandos do like a raid and a glider, and they're they're able to like take the mountain and free uh, Mussolini. What kind of three stooges shit was going on in World War Two? What? And then uh, Mus- <laughs> Mussolini is able to be um, sort of like the leader in name of what was called the Italian Social Republic, which was in northern Italy until he's eventually, you know, hung by a meat hook with his wife in the, the town square. All I could think about is the fucking Betty Hill theme. That's all I could think of now whenever you, we start talking about World War II. Just Betty Hill. Just running around. God, I can't even explain how ridiculous this sounds. But uh, Scorzani, though he though he was um, he realizes these cells are not going to be enough, and that a lot of the information he had been told initially was exaggerated, um, and so he knows they're not going to be effective. Um, so knowing this, and um, he knows the war is lost, um, he he decides that he's going to use these werewolves uh, to facilitate an underground railroad um, to get um, Nazis out of Europe. To, to elsewhere where they can escape being prosecuted for their crimes. Um, and, and these rat lines allow uh, thousands of SS officers and other Nazis to flee uh, Germany after the fall of the Nazis. Once again, stealing America's shit. First, you stole oh. how bad we were to minorities, and you used that in your country. And then you were like, oh, we know how to fix this, too. We'll do an underground railroad. Come on, man. <laughs> you can't steal all our shit. Be original a little bit. One of the things he does is he sort of gets together a, a group of other SS men, and they literally rob a bank. Like, they go to one of, like, the largest banks in the area, and they just, like, take everything in it, and they use that to finance um, their rat line. Hey, don't forget, though, they're not criminals, right? Because they wear uniforms. Nah, they're pretty much criminals. No, 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 they weren't criminals, man. <laughs> no, no, remember, remember, they were not him, they were not criminals. I think the entire, like, Nazi military was essentially a uh, criminal military. Pretty it was sure. just crime time. It was just one giant fucking war crime from yeah. beginning to end. Seriously. <laughs> on, on April 28, 1945, um, an American staff sergeant named um, Ib uh, Melchior, um, he was in the U.S. Counterintelligence Corps. He captured six German officers and 25 
um, enlisted men dressed in civilian clothing um, who claimed to constitute a werewolf cell um, under the command of a Colonel Paul Kruger um, operating in Shunsi, uh, Bavaria. Uh-oh. Uh, the group had been found um, and captured hiding in a tunnel um, network that contained um, communications equipment, weapons, explosive, um, and several months of food. Uh, um, they also found two vehicles... Out. Civilian clothes. They're not dressed on them spiffy Hugo Boss. Um, two vehicles were found hidden in the forest nearby, um, and documents um, found in the tunnels listed several uh, U.S. commanders as targets for assassination, um, including Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh-oh, Big Ike! Um, Kruger would state that in 1943, a school was created in Poland to train Kruger men in guerrilla warfare. Uh, Kruger Industrial Smoothing? The yes. ones who watched the Statue of Liberty, John? <laughs> wait, for real? <laughs> no. It's from oh. Seinfeld. Yeah, it's also, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> I could go hog wild in there. <laughs> um... On September 16, 1944, due to the um, the advances of the Soviets, they are forced to relocate to a town of uh, uh, Thorenberg in Czechoslovakia. That um, name sounds Kruger familiar. Wow. <laughs> and and Kruger would claim that a total of of 1,200 men uh, completed werewolf training in the school in less than two years. Um, on April 1st of 1945. Uh, the school was moved to uh, Shunsi, um, and the subterranean base that they were captured in was constructed. Um, the students have been instructed to, quote-unquote, stay behind, evade capture, and then harass and destroy supply lines of United States troops. A special emphasis was put on gasoline and oil supplies. See, they blew uh, it. They, this they, is- they should have left that alone and destroyed the cigarettes and coffee. That would have fucked everybody <laughs> up. <laughs> just just destroy the Hershey bars. Oh my god, no! can you imagine? Actually, that would probably embolden the U.S. Tr- <laughs> that would, listen, they would run over Burke My hardest Wagner rookie card! <laughs> they just disrupt all the radio transmissions with transmissions of uh, soccer, so they don't hear baseball. I- I'm surprised that, like, so <laughs> I heard that in Iraq when they were torturing people, they were using, like, Metallica and shit. I'm like, why are you not using Rick Astley? Why are you not just rickrolling these dudes twenty four seven? They will it's they too, will talk within minutes. It's too powerful. See, minutes. What happens, minutes. Is, what happens is then the torturers also get tortured. You know. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was like in um, Panama. They actually did play Panama by Van Halen to get okay, Manuel Noriega. That's amazing. Yeah. Panama. That's amazing, dude. <laughs> uh. Um. So uh, according to a G two intelligence report. Um, operations were to begin three or four weeks after being overrun by U.S. troops. The plan was for each unit to receive designated targets from the headquarters. Bands of from 10 to 20 men were then to be sent out to destroy the target and to return immediately to their unit. No targets were to be located nearer than 15 kilometers to the unit. Secrecy and camouflage were relied upon for security, and all personnel had strict orders to conceal themselves if U.S. troops came into their area and under no circumstances to open fire in the bivouac area. What do they camouflage? No routes they of, should be wearing their nice... Never mind. <laughs> no routes... Well, well, the SS did have camouflage smocks. They were like the one unit until the end of the war because they actually had a copyright on 
the camouflage smock, and that no other branches of the German military could use the smock that they had. Say smock so really, again. So they're really standing out then. Yeah, they're well they, they well they're they are SS, so they do have the, the fancy smocks. Okay. Which was sort of like a thing that would go over the uniform. Like if you see like the German soldiers wearing camouflage, that's usually the SS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And saving Private Ryan, um the guy who's talking to Private Upham, that guy. At the very end he was yeah. wearing a, a camel smock over his uniform. It wasn't just that dusty gray sh- stupid shit that the Nazis wore. Uh, no routes of escape have been planned members of the unit usually uh, wore the Wehrmacht uniform but a few members disguised themselves as foresters were used as outposts to report any approaching danger their ordnance supplies consisted of mortars, machine guns, submachine guns rifles and various types of sidearms each man was issued a Lilliput pistol which could be easily concealed on the person. The ammunition supply for each type weapon was ample for four months of ordinary operations. The unit had one civilian type sedan and one Wehrmacht motorcycle, which were well hidden in the woods, and 120 horses which were dispersed on farms throughout the vicinity. Food consisting of canned meat, biscuits, crackers, chocolate, and canned vegetables was sufficient for over four months. God damn, how Additional much food. I know how much food I eat in four months. Good lord. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan, you're eating too much. <laughs> well, you know, we eat the tree bark and then we get the chocolate. Good lord. I'm just thinking, like, four months of food. Holy shit. I look at my Publix fucking. Das is einen Essen zu full. Listen, if there's one thing that is egregious about the American experience, it is the portion sizes. Like, the amount of food that we we waste just because we're used to eating that much is fucking gluttonous. It's ridiculous. It's just gluttonous when you go over to another country and they give you a plate and you're like, what the fuck is this? And then they're like, that's your entree. Is that the appetizer? And you realize how fat we are in America. We're just the fattest little piggies over here. It's amazing. Listen, Hans, I'm going to need you to go back in the back and get me the entire sausage. <laughs> I didn't ask for just the tip. Listen, you're charging me what for this? I had in Italy was Cacio, 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 yeah, it's a cheese and yep. cheese and pepper, right? Listen to me. When this guy put the plate in front of me, I almost start. Okay. You know the, the TikToks of the dogs and you put like one little thing of food in their dish and they turn around and, yeah. stuff and, like, and they start <laughs> That was up. me. Yep. The guy put it in front of me. I was like, I'm going to swing on you. Where the fuck is the rest of my food? Like, I'm starving. <laughs> See, what happened was Ryan actually had moved to Italy, but he got banned there for, for, for freaking out Mussolini on jokes. Yeah. Mussolini, no. No. I, I used to do so. You upset Mussolini's uh, daughter. Full disclosure, I used to do handstands in Rome and be like, ha Mussolini, ha doing handstands. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah, hey, you take your Cacio, pep, cup, Cacio Pepe right here, huh? <laughs> huh? Additional food supplies such as bread, potatoes, fresh vegetables, and smoked sausages were obtained from local sources. The unit was supplied with water by a brook passing through the area. Dugouts were constructed in such a manner as not to destroy the live trees around them. The dugouts were located on the slope of a hill which was densely covered with fir trees. The entrance to the dugout was a hole approximately 24 inches in diameter and 4 to 5 feet deep. Approximately 2 feet down, 
the, this hole extended horizontally to a length of eight to ten feet. The dugout was a has a capacity of three men and has a wooden floor and a drainage ditch. Walls and roof uh, are reinforced with lumber. So this is basically like every World War II PlayStation video game when you're going through trenches, and then at one point all of a sudden you're like underground, right? Yeah, kind of. It, it's not to the level of, like, the Viet Cong, but it's just, like, they, they have quasi-permanent foxholes. Okay. Uh, the following day, um, a counterintelligence unit led by uh, Captain Oscar M. Grimes of the 97th Infantry Division captured about 200 Gestapo officers and men in hiding near Hof, Bavaria. Got them. Um, th- those men were in possession of American Army uniforms and equipment, um but they had decided to surrender when they were found out by the Americans. No shit, you're not going to be able to act like a fucking American soldier when you're German. They're immediately just going to be like, what? <laughs> no. Um, in May 1945, a counterintelligence officer, Major John uh, uh, Schwarzwalder, um, arrested members of a, a werewolf uh, cell in Bremen um, whose leader had fled. Um, Schwarzwalder believed that the, uh, that the werewolves... Um, were not really like a threat to the Allied personnel. He said, The Bremen group of, of Yugen had received its orders to organize as a werewolf cell only about four days before the fall of the city. By that time, the Wehrmacht had taken all but the Halt and the Lame, and the Volkstrom had taken most of the rest. Nevertheless, an organization had been started using the younger boys, but it had not progressed to accumulating either weapons or supplies boys. before the entry of the Allied troops. The only remaining faction, uh, fraction of the werewolf that was of any importance was a residue of veterans of the last war who were physically ineligible for service in this one and who had weapons concealed here and there. Wait, are we talking about These like were World not War too I hard to dispose of. Yeah, like, like old-timers from like World War I okay. who were not physically fit or gotcha. of age to serve in World War II. Gotcha, yeah. Because World War I was like 30 years before World War II, so if you were serving in one, you're a fucking boomer by the time two comes around. Yeah. You're either a high-ranking officer or you're, you're done. Wait, um, wait, wait a minute, but wait, but wait, there's more. Um, Wasn't Hitler like a fucking runner in World War I? Yeah, because remember we talked about the miraculous running abilities of the Fuhrer. Yeah, the running prowess of the future Fuhrer, so... I guess not all of them, right? Because you had SS members well, like, who were like the World War One vets who were like just fucking, it just PTSD well, like Ernst, out the ass and shit. Well, like Ernst Rom was a World War One veteran. Uh, Hermann Göring was a World War One veteran. He was a pilot. Um, okay, and so I guess also not everybody's old. And, and like like Rommel, for instance, no, was like a was a veteran of World War One because they probably went to war in their like late teens, early twenties. Well. Well, when I well, when I say like you're either done or you're like a high-ranking officer, meaning that if you're like still in the military at that age, you're either like a high-ranking officer or yeah, you're you like you're okay. retired. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so by March 1945, um, it became clear that that the German forces had no chance of like stopping the Allied advance, um, and Joseph Goebbels um, seized upon the idea of the werewolves. And, and began to sort of uh, broadcast on, on Radio Werewolves um, just sort of like this expanding werewolf guerrilla operation of irregular German partisans, um, similar to uh, the the Soviet partisans. I can just see it now. Just, it, just, it, <laughs> it's like, ow! 
Hey, this is Joseph Goebbels. Welcome to 101.5 WRWF. <laughs> like, doing a fucking radio show. This goes all right, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Opie this and all, Anthony. This goes but out to all my werewolves out there. This is for the it's, slow jams for all the werewolves and ladies. It's, it's Opie and Anthony, but everyone's Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> I used to listen to them like a long time ago when I was young and dumb and oh my god I'm just thinking about <laughs> like Anthony Camilla is like a he's like a he's like an actual Nazi now I, yeah, I love to say he's a gigantic chud dude so despite Goebbels sort of like creating this propaganda that there was this growing Gergoots. sort of like commando unit um it never materialized um so this this myth sort of perpetuates, but it never actually materializes in any form. Mm-hmm. Um, no actual other effort was uh, was organized or recognized by the Nazi leadership um, uh, to continue fighting in the event of a defeat. Um, and because um, a lot of leaders like Hitler, um, they they regarded anyone who even discussed the possibility that they were going to be defeated or or occupied that those people were defeatists and traitors. Because, like, for instance, at the end of the war, like, Hermann Goring is actually, like, taken prisoner because it sort of rumors go out that Goring is, like, not, like, he doesn't like how the war's going, and they, they put him under house arrest because they, cause they, they, they sort of don't trust him. Jesus. Just because he says he doesn't like how the war's going? Yeah, that he has, like, doubts about their ability to succeed. Probably smart. Um, so... So no real, like, contingency plans are actually made um, in the event that the Nazis are defeated. You know, like, any, any plans that, like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to go into the mountains and we're going to resist, you know. Right. Um, so because of what Goebbels does, it creates a sort of mythological reputation of an underground Nazi resistance movement. Uh, and that because of this, it sort of makes the like, the Allied um, authorities sort of very suspicious and waiting for these attacks. Um, and, and this even gets to media in the West, you know, that there are these, like, in, on the home front, that there's going to be this resistance movement. Okay. Um, and this even extends beyond, like, the dissolution of the Nazis, because after Hitler's executed, um, there's a brief sort of government that's in the north that eventually like makes peace the the Kesselring government um Himmler briefly leads a government in um in Berlin soon after um like Hitler and and Goebbels commit suicide um but like it doesn't last very long okay you said Himmler yeah like Heinrich yeah, Heinrich Himmler. Heinrich Himmler is eventually captured by the British, and then he dies under mysterious circumstances. It's funny, because I, I, thought, I thought Himmler was in the Fuhrer bunker. I thought he committed suicide. Well, he was. He he didn't commit suicide. He was in the Fuhrer bunker, but he, he doesn't kill himself. He he sort of, like, he sort of leaves and, and sort of goes elsewhere, um, making his way west. He's a cosplay? Um, no, you, you pronounce that wrong. It's pronounced coward. <laughs> A, a number of officials make their way there. Um, Goering also goes to the area where the Kessel Ring government is, which is very awkward for him. 
because he was also like declared a traitor and he doesn't really have any authority, but he's there with like all these other like high ranking Nazis. Nobody really knows like what the status is. Right. Jesus. By the so way, what do we, uh, three what do we do? shot to left. It is now nine nothing in the bottom of the third. And that's the end of the block. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. Um, according to um, an historian uh, named Bittescombe, um the threat of Nazi partisan warfare had, had a generally unhealthy effect on broad issues of policy among the occupying powers. As well, it prompted the development of draconian reprisal measures that resulted in the destruction of much German property and the deaths of thousands of civilians and soldiers. Sons of bitches. Oh. Uh, the, the World War II historian Ian Kershaw, who's one of the best, um, he stated, stated that the fear of werewolf activities um, had motivated, um, may have uh, motivated atrocities against German civilians by Allied troops um, immediately after the war. Right, like it had uh, most of the, the resist- opposite effect. So most of the resistance to the Allies had been suppressed by 1945, but collective punishments for acts of resistance such as fines and curfews were still being imposed until 1948. Um, Bittescombe estimates that the total number of deaths as a result of, of werewolf actions and resulting reprisals was about uh, 3,000 to 5,000. Hmm. In the Soviet occupation zone, um, thousands of youths were uh, arrested um, uh, being declared to be werewolves. Um, a lot of these arrests were arbitrary and, and partly based on, like, denunciations from, like, other civilians. Okay. Um, so in a lot of ways... Stitching on people without necessarily having any evidence. Yeah, it became, like, a witch hunt. Maybe somebody needed to, like, save themselves from the NKVD, so they, they threw somebody who could be a candidate. Gotcha. Um, on June 22nd, 1945, um, Deputy Commissar of the NKVD... Um, Ivan Serov reported um, to uh, Laventi uh, Berea that the arrests of more than uh, 600 alleged werewolf members um, had been take had taken place, and most of them had been aged from 15 to 17. Wait, what? They were kids. That they arrested like 600 15 to 17 year old kids oh, okay. who, who, who had been like. They were up to know who had that probably been like year old fucking hooligans. Get them off the goddamn streets. Who had probably been members of like the Hitler Youth or um, other organizations, and they had just chosen them to be um, arrested. Fine, seventeen-year-olds can all go to fucking jail. That is th- that is the view of the trilateral troika. If you're seventeen, go to jail. Fuck you. <laughs> I mean, I was seventeen once, and I'll be honest with you. If you're not home at, at by nine o'clock, yeah. Sure. Nine. If you're not home like seven fifteen, bro, <laughs> the sun well, came up. Get your ass home. Yeah, we were all right. Nine o'clock was as late as I can go. Um, in the report, um, they they would refer to instances where the Soviet units would come under fire from uh, sources in the woods that they weren't able to find. But most Fucking of the arrests, Simo Haya, just out there, yeah. the White Death, just like, high on high on Oh. Um, so most of the people that were arrested were not involved in that, but that they had possibly been waiting for the right moment in the meantime, um, to, to act. So, so they're essentially like convicting most of these young boys for a uh, pre-crime. 
Oh, That's okay. So up. they that were like, like what Tampa's doing. It was stop and frisk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's broken windows policing. Yeah, this is some this is some NKVD broken windows policing. Some, you know, some Bloomberg level tactics. Like some, I said, this is that the shit that episode doing right now where the cops just come and just like, oh, we're just checking up on you. Like what? Get the I, fuck I, that that episode, that and I was fucking shocked. I was like, Bro, you gotta be kidding me. I, I can't me. believe it. I literally can't believe it. If the cops just came and knocked on my door like, hey, Ryan, we're just checking up on you. Make sure you're not committing any, any, any crimes. Do you know how pissed off I'd be? Yeah. Like, you got nothing better to do than to knock on my phone. Fu- go. Would you, go now, let me ask something. a question. Would you call the police? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> on Absolutely. the police? I'm being harassed by a man wearing green at my door. Uh, he looks like RoboCop. He's got this big fucking vest on. Um, well, you're... While you're screaming, who watches the Watchmen? It, it's a big, it's a big problem, man. You know, like somebody comes to your house, they just say, "Hey, we're the cops, and we're just coming to check on you." It's not a normal situation by any stretch of the imagination, and I wouldn't no. be, I wouldn't be surprised if someone, if we ended up with a very, very bad incident at some point because somebody decided to. We we know down. it, Steve. That's not tyranny. You know what tyranny is. It's asking people to get a shot. Let me tell you something, bro. I ain't getting that goddamn five G COVID goddamn shot. Look, I'll get those police. I will take animal vaccines before I take that shot. Give me that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. By the way, for the record, I'm vaccinated. Uh, I'm just making a joke. I've just been I've been taking Heart Guard. I find that it. uh... Yeah, (laughs) Trifexus. You gotta get rid of your heartworms, dude. I take it with a piece of cheese. <laughs> I know. I, yeah, I get. My wife has to put it in something like a peanut she butter. Rubs my, yeah. <laughs> my girlfriend rubs my throat to make me swallow my pill. Ah, <laughs> uh, it's the best. You know, part. I give. So I give a pill pocket to my cat. I give a pill pocket to myself. We're both happy <laughs> no, at the end the of the day. Pockets, We're both healthy. You know, the problem with the pill pockets is I was. Uh, I got too good at eating around the pill. You know. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that happens. Yeah. Wolf, wolf. That happens. <laughs> you gotta get a pill crush. I had a in your my my family had a beagle my fucking that could unwrap the, the wire. I'm gonna sniff the pill. <laughs> no, you put it in some apple. My uh, I'll tell you what. If they they were fam- supposed to make a, a sniffable vaccine at one point, they were making like some some other injection. Like it was some that really that sounds method. like that sounds like one of those like like government like. They're they're gonna like screw the government out of money by claiming they have like a bomb detector thing. That no, they, no, real. no, no, no. Like, this that, is a real like thing because because of people like Joe Rogan who are apparently extremely tough <laughs> but afraid of needles. You know, it's, yeah, they want to do like the flu mist where you, it's a little little kid. He's like he's an alpha male. Needles. That's all it is. Right, right. That's he's an I'm alpha male, about. but he's so bitch made he can't get a a shot. Joe I read Rogan's something about him recently. That to shut up. That he was. Uh, <laughs> He literally was scheduled to get a vaccine, and then like something, some kind of scheduling conflict happened. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, because what you're the thirty fuck is seconds that it you, takes dude. to get a fucking goddamn shot is, is to this day somewhere else. To this day, I do not believe that he is not vaccinated. I think he is. No, he I did, don't believe he, he is. He did ayahuasca. He was talking to the machine elves, and he missed his. Uh, he missed his appointment. I don't believe he's vaccinated, to all of us. but I think as soon as he can be vaccinated post this COVID uh, exposure, he will be vaccinated now. Oh my god. I don't know. He's like one of those fucking idiots that it, it takes him to have personal experience with it to change his attitude. Yeah, again, he, it's, it's, it's the people unca- who... Oh, 
Yeah, they're there's, incapable of empathy. Yeah, there's a huge number of those people that are just, you know, it's not real unless it happens to me. Yeah, those are called Republicans. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Steve. It's not Steve. just Republicans, dude, but <laughs> um, it's mainly. In, in October of 1945, Beria reported to Stalin that they had liquidated 349 alleged werewolf groups. I'm sorry, liquidated? Uh, yeah, as in killed. They, got, um, they sold them. So, so yeah, they <laughs> they made a hefty profit on them, and they put that forward to make a lot of uh, Come down to nice. Big Dwight's Warehouse. We got the best selection of SS officers you can find, and the money can buy in the Rhineland. Come on down. <laughs> <laughs> we got it all. Hugo Boss, Porsche, anything you want. I'm Big Dwight. If I can't beat your price, then, hey, I'll give it to you for free. Come on, see me down in the Rhineland. We are <laughs> Big Dwight's Warehouse. These crazy. <laughs> <laughs> come on, come on down to Varish to Big Barry's <laughs> Big Time Market. Um, so of those, of those, um, of those groups, um, ninety-two of those groups consisted of one thousand one hundred ninety-two members um, in Saxony alone. Whatever. For some reason, when you say the word Saxony. I immediately think we're talking about like the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah, nah, me too. Like, well, it's a, it's a province in Germany, in East Ages? Germany. It's more common than you think, Steve. <laughs> Nazi werewolves in my Middle Ages. It's longer than you think. Oh, sorry, sorry. And on August fifth, nineteen forty-six, uh, the Soviet Minister for Internal Affairs, uh, Sergei uh, Nikoforovich uh, Kruglov reported that in the, in the Soviet occupation zone, 332 quote-unquote terrorist division groups and underground organizations have been disclosed and liquidated. Um, this would total about 10,000 youths who were interred by the NKVD special camps, um, and half of them were did not return from those camps. Oof. But I also don't feel bad. Um, and... <laughs> East German authorities and political parties um, were denied any information about the whereabouts of these youths. Fuck them. They're 17-year-olds. No, get them, get them out of here. Um, the, the Red Army would also torch... <laughs> You've turned into your parents. It's just the worst ever, you know? I don't, I don't trust all these 17-year-olds outside. I tell these you... Little sons of, these little if sons I of see, bitches outside, they, they run the streets. It's got absolutely. Get back in the they're out there TikToking. You, you ever go by a house where they're having a party and there's like some like obvious like high, like late high school kids like hanging out in the front lawn and you're just kind of like... Some Wattersons. I bet they think they run this fucking block. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now, 17-year-old kids in groups scare the shit out of me. Absolutely. I don't you need no them idea to, to start fucking there. clowning on me. No, I'm not afraid to get beat up. I'm afraid of them starting to fucking roast me. I didn't say like, that. Kids need kids need to know how to hit you at your absolute like most base fears. Yeah, some of them, but they're they know well, how it's to like, it out, man. I'm just worried it's about like criminal mischief. Confused. That's really all I'm worried it's about. It's that it's that Watterson. Jesus, the Red Sox are fucking blowing out the Astros. But anyways, yeah, baseball updates. Let's go. Look, I think for the rest of our podcast, we even when the season's over, we should just do baseball updates about games that we're watching that aren't even happening. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm watching on ESPN. No, we just watch show. historic Ooh, games and go back like between his legs. Dude, Mike Schmidt just hit the the ump in the throat with a bat. <laughs> Mike Piazza is charging the charging the mound. Wow! No, you said no. Recent game? 
No, you said it right. He he was charging the meow. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Piazza. I, I you know oh I used to be God. a big I used to be a big Piazza fan, but he's a dumbass, Chud. Fuck that idiot. Did did you all see what Altuve did? <laughs> what did he do? He cheated. <laughs> oh, you you should have seen it. Oh man. <laughs> now I'm really upset because I know you just messed with me, but god damn it. I don't like Altuve, so when um, he does something stupid, I wanna be I wanna be like in the know. Uh um the the Red Army would also torch the town of uh, Demon, um, which would result in the suicide of hundreds of, of people um after, you know, the, the Red Army just like destroyed their entire lives, you know, burning down their city. <sighs> Yeah, just That's not just, just, just trogdoored the fuck out of them. Can't do that to With, civilians, is my thing. Within the American sector, um, Eisenhower believed um, that he would face like extensive guerrilla warfare um, based on this theory of what was called the Alpine Redoubt, which was that idea that they would have this fortress in the Alps that they would coordinate a, a guerrilla movement from. Um, so a lot of um, a lot of the belief was that the that the werewolves would be mustering forces around um, Birkitsgaden, which is the uh, the town in the Alps, which was like a Nazi stronghold. It's where they go in um, Band of Brothers. If you've seen that, mm-hmm. it was like it was like the Nazi villages, right? Um, so by March 1945. Um, they had sort of made a um they had made some operational targets away from Berlin um and that they had said shifted towards um the the south in uh Berkitzgaden. um and then also um with linking up with the Russians first before proceeding like they weren't racing to Berlin, which is one of the reasons why the the Soviets were able to uh take it firsthand okay um an intelligence report stated. We should be prepared to understake operations in southern Germany in order to overcome rapidly any organized resistance by the German armed forces or by guerrilla movements, which may have retreated to the inner zone and to this redoubt. On March 31st, Eisenhower told Roosevelt, I am hopeful of launching operations that should partially prevent a guerrilla condition or guerrilla control of any large area such as the southern mountain bastions. Eisenhower previously requested that the occupation directive JCS uh, 1067 not make him responsible for maintaining living conditions in Germany under the expected circumstances. Quote unquote, probably guerrilla fighting and possibly even civil war in certain districts. If conditions in Germany turn out as described, it will be utterly impossible effectively to control or save the economic structure of the country. And we feel we should not assume the responsibility for its support and control. Hmm. And if we can't be responsible for the economic conditions of the country, we are having a buy one, get one, everything must go sale big down here at Big Dwight's Warehouse, right off the 37 in Rhineland. Come on down, everything must go two for one, three for one, it doesn't matter, we all must go. The uh, the British, on the other hand, were, were mortified um, by this suggestion. Um, but the War Department did take this in, into consideration. Um, within the British occupation zone... On April 1945, Churchill announced um, that the Allies would incarcerate all captured German officers for as long as a guerrilla threat existed. Um, So hundreds of thousands of German uh, last-ditch troops were kept in the makeshift uh, Rhine uh, Fienzenlager for months, um, mainly to prevent um, the werewolves from operating. 
Um, in addition, this the civilians helped by the U.S. climbed from 1,000 in late March to 30,000 in late June, and then 100,000 by the end of 1945. Churchill saying that he can hold these people as long as, basically, effectively, as long as he wants. Sounds a whole lot like Bush putting people in Guantanamo and saying, we're just going to hold them until, you know, terrorist action stops. Like, it's such an arbitrary statement that it's effectively like, we're just going to hold you until the fuck we want to. Which, again, they're um, Nazis, so go fuck themselves. But, however, on a humanitarian level, like, at least tell them, hey, you're going to die here. Don't just be like, just until we want to let you go. That jolly fuck. He should have just been like, you're going to die in my prisons. <laughs> I hope you enjoy fucking shitty food with no salt. We took over the whole goddamn world for spices that we don't even use. Good luck. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, But due, due to the light amount of guerrilla activity against the occupation... Um, relatively few reprisals took place in the in the British occupation zone. Um, so a lot of the werewolves don't really like pan out. That was more a thing that was on paper, with most of their resources being delegated to like the actual troops and also to the Volkstrom, who were the sort of like makeshift militia that they were using, who oftentimes were using like weapons from World War One. They weren't even using like current weapons like they they sort of dusted off guns from like the armory and handed them out so like steve said it was propaganda yeah it was mostly propaganda it was mostly um sort of the nazis wanting something to be in practice like most of the nazi programs where like the nazis were like a majority of their programs and ideas were propaganda like they were never able to implement any of them right classic nazi bullshit (laughs) Classic, yeah. they're fucking useless. One of my so, favorite things that I hear from people, they're like, oh, but the Nazis, and you know the kind of person that kind of says this shit, they're like, oh, the Nazis were terrible, but they did all those medical experiments and all that shit we learned from them, and I'm like, oh, yeah. no! When people try no, to justify nothing shit. Nothing they did was had any scientific basis. Nothing they did used the scientific met. Like, no, fuck off. What are you talking about? Like, we looked at well, all this fucking information that they quote-unquote... <laughs> quote-unquote gleaned from these medical tests that they did, right? And every single person that was legitimate that looked at it was like, um, <laughs> fuck you, we can't use any of this. The fuck? You were just, like, cutting people's eyelids open just to see if you could change the color of their eyes. Like, what? Get the fuck out of here, bro. <laughs> a lot of their discoveries were accidental. Like, for instance, like, a lot of people credit, like, Hitler with the Autobahn, but the Autobahn had been planned to be built before the Nazis took power. Like, it had been, like, a, really? a Weimar project, but because the funding had been not around, because a lot of what the Nazis used for funding was essentially a credit scheme, which we talked about. Right. They used the uh, the MIFO yeah. scheme in order to essentially like build up the country on credit. Right. Um, but by the time the autobahn was going to be built was around the time that like the Nazis came into power. So they were just able to say, once it was completed, that it was their idea instead of something that had been on the books for a while. Motherfucker, I just got milkshake ducked for the longest time. And, like, kind of like reverse milkshake ducked. For the longest time, I thought, like, it was Hitler's fucking idea for the Autobahn. And, like, the trains ran on time, but the trains always run on time in Germany. Like, the the train, like, for instance, well, in the, Italy, the trains the never run on time trains. in Italy. <laughs> wasn't that, like, the trains run on time was, was, like, a reference to the Holocaust? That's what I thought it was. I don't, I don't think it's a reference. Like, ah, I don't think it was a reference to the Holocaust. I think it was an idea of like that Mussolini had brought order to Italy, but like 
the trains have never run on time in Italy, and they still don't run on time. As so. someone who's been to Rome as recently as 2016, they do not run on time whatsoever. Italy, Italy's like one of those Latin places like Spain where, where things just move at their own pace, yeah, the train, you know, which the is train cool train and all, there. but... You know who surprised me that everything is like right perfectly, like right fucking there is goddamn Netherlands with the main city of Amsterdam. I'm like, how are you guys on time for everything? And like, like on, on the ball in Amsterdam, like think about it of all places. They're like with it. Yeah. It's a small country. I don't care about a small country. I got, I got, so we flew into the Amsterdam airport and then from the airport, you got to get onto a train to get into like city proper. Then the train rides, maybe 10 minutes. If that, I prefer when they fly like into the landing pad and, and land the plane, not like directly into the airport. Oh no, we like we flew directly to the airport. Right. <laughs> Fuck so, you! Like, I'm you, getting in the plane. As, <laughs> as, <laughs> as soon as you get out of the city, the or get get off the train in the city of Amsterdam, all you smell is this fucking weed everywhere. And I'm like, all right, cool. So nobody's gonna be on time for anything. Everybody's gonna be five minutes late. Uh, incorrect. I cannot tell you how incorrect I was. They were like on it. Very impressive. Just more proof. That's because they're using the performance-enhancing drug of marijuana and not the performance-decreasing drug of wine. No, they're using the performance-enhancing drug of Nutella, if you've ever been. <laughs> Jesus Christ, it's so good, and everything has fucking Nutella. Everything has fucking Nutella in the Netherlands. Good Lord. Yeah, I, there's some people I know that are that are very uh, Netherlands-like in that regard. Well, the, the crazy... This is a crazy fact about it. Uh, about Nutella that a lot of people don't know, but the consistency of Nutella differs from country to country. Really? Yeah. That 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 like sometimes it's, like it's firmer. <laughs> they don't want you to know this. <laughs> All right, guys, let me tell you something that the uh, Illuminati and the globalists don't want you to know. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna like get canceled how, after in this. Germany, so. right? Nutella's crunchy, right? Big big <laughs> Nutella's coming after me. They're trying to shut me down. And I think. I think in France, Nutella is actually just wine, right? Just hazelnut wine. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just brown wine. If if you do want a serious Nutella fact, aside from the whole consistency fact, uh, here's a Nutella fact: uh, it's not healthy for you, contrary to what I thought the first time I had it, because I was like, it's got nothing fucking hazelnuts in it. Nothing <laughs> is. Purely, it's pretty much chocolate. Nothing is purely healthy for you. Period. Well, I was like, my friends but, were like, bro, you eat how much Nutella? I'm like, it's healthy. It's hazelnuts. But it's, it's loaded with sugar. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> sugar's not necessarily awful for Yeah, it's you, not necessarily but, bad with you, but, but when you're like you main lighting Nutella. Yeah, like if you bro, if you go through like, a, a fucking <laughs> bottle of Nutella or like a, like a jar of Nutella a week, yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I actually looked at the bottle and I was like, oh, fuck. When you're, when you're putting like Nutella in your coffee and... I was better off making fluffernutters. <laughs> yeah, fluffernutters from the great city of Boston, who's now up nine to three because Houston hit a fucking rocket out the goddamn left. And field with that, folks, we're gonna go to commercial. So that'll be the trilateral troika <laughs> signing off. Brought to you by Bud Light, cool, refreshing Bud Light, Bud Light. <laughs> the main beer of Major League Baseball. <laughs> oh, God. Do I have to cut that out? All right, later. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> <laughs>